सहनावतु सहनौ भुनक्तु सह वीर्यंकवाहे तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तु मदिषावहे ओ शाशाशाति गुरुर्ब्रह्मा गुरुर्विष्णु गुरुर्देव महेशर गुरुरेव परम ब्रह्मा तस्म श्रीगुरव नम तस्म श्रीगुरव नम repeat after me the 14th shloka of vishnu sahasranama sarvaga sarva vidbhanu vishvakseno janardanah vedo veda vidavyango वेदांगो वेद विदिवितानु विश्वक्सेनो जनार्दन वेदो वेद अव्यंगो वेदांगो वेदवित्कवि just the construction of the shloka is and most of the shlokas the way he starts is such a a beautiful poetry in it that he has repeated the word veda almost five times four times in this particular shloka and each time it has got a different meaning to it and to have that many repetitions and to be able to create different meaning referred to it is a poetic genius in itself and this our veda vyasji was capturing it and bhishma ji was on the row of arrows and from there he could spin out such a beauty of uh, poetic उंड and no sooner that they turn around they start trying to crawl around on their force and that is when we understand that the child has become all pervasive sarvagah sarvagah all pervasive so much so that sometimes there are some dangerous corners wherein we don't want them to get into 
therefore we barricade them unless there is some kind of a mishap that they fall or they they don't know yet where to go where not to now paramatma is sarvagah sarvagah the one who pervades everything sarvatra gachhati iti karanatvena vyaptatvat sarvatra and because he is the cause of this entire creation and the karana is there in the effect one cause can express itself into multiple effects and these multiple effects are like an extension of the cause itself may look little modified but still is an extension of the cause itself so that which is the cause finds itself permeating through its effect like for example all the ornaments are pervaded by the metal it is pervaded by gold it would be ridiculous if somebody were to say that you keep the ornaments i'll just take the gold from it then there is no existence of the ornament in itself the ornament finds a place only when there is that substratum the metal which is sustaining it similarly the entire creation the karana being paramatma he is permeating through the entire effect of it and because he is there in and through every aspect of this effect therefore he is called sarvatraga or sarvaga sarvaga the one who is the cause of everything therefore gachhati iti he is there everywhere and how is he there everywhere sarvavit he is not there as an inert aspect of this creation he is in fact there in the entire creation as sarvavit sarvavit with meaning to know he knows everything in and out there is nothing that can be hidden there is nothing that can be kept as a secret from paramatma himself if something happens in your house can it be kept a secret especially with the kids more so when there are kids and you know the parents have this you know throw a surprise party and the kid in their own innocence they blurt it out can anything be kept a secret very difficult you have to be extremely cautious to keep it a secret in our in our own house in a limited way we tend to come to know of everything and that to not being every aspect of the house now imagine when every aspect of this creation is an expansion of paramatma or expression of paramatma and he is the conscious aspect of it and not the inert aspect so in and through every aspect of this creation 
who is constantly watching the creation which is us all a paramatma who is constantly watching and paramatma does not require eyes to watch there is a little resound if you can reduce there is a little resound if you can reduce <clears throat> so paramatma as we saw yesterday bahushiraha bahushiraha the one who is behind all these different heads and then he takes avatara he does not need to take an avatara as a form even as a formless even in the in through the matter world the only one that is being conscious the one who is expressing consciously is that paramatma alone so literally there is nothing that can be kept as a secret from that all knowing paramatma because he is all pervasive and he is all knowing sarvavit sarvagah sarvavit bhanuh sarvavit bhanuh bhati iti bhanuh why is the sun called as bhanu bhati iti bhanuh bhati that which illumines and the sun does an amazing job of impartial illumining somebody praises the sun so he does not change his direction and start you know glowing there only or somebody you know praises the sun for certain kinds of rays and he starts emitting only those kinds of rays equally the sun is pervasive and equally it is glowing impartially it illumines ganga ji with the same illumination as it would illumine any other dirty waters it does not say you, know, you these dirty waters i refuse to illumine this impartially now even inside there are lots of thoughts that are flowing in and out just because there are those thoughts just because there are those feelings we need not act upon them and the moment we can disidentify from us from ourselves from that flow of thoughts the virtue of the thought doesn't matter at all in fact from the highest state of spirituality the virtue of the thought is not at all a matter what matters is are we identified with the thought or not identified with that thought whether it is a good thought or a bad thought if you are identified with it it is not called a spiritual evolution here on i was equally startled <laughs> where did this train suddenly come in from shri krishna well chinmay mission gets richer by 50 dollars okay getting back to the thought <clears throat> being identified or disidentified with the thought makes us uh, evaluate ourselves 
as really growing spiritually or not growing spiritually. The virtue of the thought or the content of the thought does not actually matter. As the sun illumines everything, good, bad, ugly, from the sun's perspective, it, it does not evaluate from that perspective. It just illumines. Similarly, the inner consciousness which illumines both the good, bad or the indifferent thoughts, just because their presence, we don't need to be fluttered and you know, getting flabbergasted with the presence of the thought. And when many people tell that, you know, then about their own minds, oh, there are lots of dirty thoughts. Does it really matter? If you know how to disidentify from them and watch it? The problem is we get identified with that dirt and that is what scares us. If we are the conscious principle, the thought is nothing but matter, a subtle kind of matter. And the moment we understand that it is just matter and matter does not matter, all that we have to do is watch it. Therefore, there are many meditative techniques wherein they say, don't try to do meditation, but just observe everything pass by. How long should I observe? However long it takes to shut that mind off. I am not talking of sleep. Consciously being alert and yet not falling asleep. And yet not having the thought flow by. If it occasionally flows by, don't get irritated. Because the moment you get irritated, it is a sign of identification. Or don't get elated either. Wow, today I did not get identified with anything. That thought also is an identification of another thought process. Just witness it. Because you are the conscious principle which enlivens that thought, enlivens that matter. Sarvavid Bhanuhu, the all-knowing illumination inside and outside is that Paramatma. Sarvagaha Sarvavid Bhanuhu. Vishwakseno Janardhanaha. Vishwaksenaha. There are many of these Rakshasas who have grown up, who have, who have been created by Paramatma, but they turn against that Paramatma. They are the expressions of Paramatma. As Kashyapa Muni had two wives. Diti and Aditi. Those who are born to Aditi, they are called the Adityas. Dvadasha Aditya. Those who are born to Diti are called the Daitya. Daitya meaning those who have turned against, those who have turned away from the touch of divinity from within. The monsters or the demons or the daityas are not to be imagined like you know two horned, uh, ugly teeth hanging over and you know red eyes and uh, that's the imagination of all the artwork. What it means is those who have turned their minds away from that connection of core of divinity within, they are the daitya. Now the point is, where do we stand in our life? 
आर वी आदित्य और आर वी द दैत्य डोंट एंसर इट इज फॉर अस टू पॉन्डर हाफ एंड हाफ डजेंट वर्क इधर यू आर दिस साइड और यू आर दैट साइड That's why they say realization is not in percentages. Realization is always in either zero or hundred percent. I heard that. My ears are little sharper than usual. I don't know if you all heard it, but I did hear. either we are adityas or we are daityas so whenever these daityas they turn around and then they attempt to overtake paramatma himself and they create huge armies against god we have seen in the puranas right there are so many stories wherein they attack paramatma himself do you think any army can stand against him and he does not require any army he single handedly can stand there and just by his presence vishvaksenah vishvaksenah that because of whose presence by facing whom in the war those who are trying to face him get threatened just by the mere presence of him can you understand the power or the prowess it is like all the organs of perception action mind intellect are turning against consciousness the moment they turn against consciousness do you think they can exist they can survive as long as we understand that i am the consciousness and not the instruments vishvaksenah the one who is the constant threat for any number of enemies therefore he is also called janardanah sanskrit is a very beautiful language and when something somewhat something is been written so beautiful it is easy to you know be to be carried away by it's just the sanskrit and its use by saying vishvaksenaha they have already indicated that he is janardanaha because the word janardana is made of two parts jana ardana the word arda has two meanings one meaning of ardana is that he is the one who bestows upon us joy the other meaning of it is that the one who gives sorrow and to whom does he give sorrow and joy jananam to us all janan durjanan ardayati hinasti नरकादीन गमयती जनादन 
depending on the activities that we perform, depending, depending upon the actions that we have executed, depending upon the intentions behind the actions that we have executed. If we have committed unrighteous things, not from our unconscious level of understanding what righteousness is or not, because most of the time it is pure convenience. If it is not hurting anybody, if it is not doing this, if it is not doing that, but it is from that purest state that whatever actions I am doing, it is not hurting, it is creating waves of joy, not just for myself, but for everybody around. What is righteousness? Punyaya, what does punya mean? To be joyous and to give that joy to everybody. Papaya, parapidanam. What is papa? To hurt and inflict others around. Depending on what actions that we have done and what are the repercussions of our actions that we have done. Because sometimes there is a very a thin layer of difference between managing and manipulating. What is the difference between managing and manipulation? Both require skill. Both require skill to understand the environment, understand the people, understand the resources, understand their skill sets and make use of it in that given situation. But what qualifies a certain thing, a certain uh, action of getting together as managing and certain action or the intent as manipulating? Managing it becomes when we know that we are trying to tap into all these different resources and different skill sets so that all of them get benefited by pursuing it in that particular direction. This is called managing. What is manipulation? Manipulation is you very clearly read others' resourcefulness, others' skill sets and use all that with the intent of giving them the benefit but underlying is to reap a benefit for oneself. That selfish motive is called manipulation. That is called parapidana. Now, wherever we have gone away, the naraka is not somewhere there. Maybe it is there too. But the naraka starts right here. Do you think those who do this can consciously live? A peaceful life, so much of guilt, so much of anxiety, so much of remorse, constantly eating them up from within. In the psychological world, somebody who does not feel that is called a psychopath. Correct me if I am wrong, Dr. Jeff. Am I right? Somebody who does not feel that guilt and feel that responsibility of their own action, they are called a psychopath, which is a, uh, a medical condition to be treated. 
but for the rest of them it starts eating it's like a termite it starts eating from within and it is a constant drainer so yes bhagwan has set up this system in such a way that we do something wrong and the repercussions immediately start eating us up the one who gives sorrow it is not that he is intending to give sorrow don't misunderstand this statement as he, he is somebody who is vengeful that you know, he is picking on the devotees that they did not meditate on him or praise him enough therefore he is pursuing to give them all these kinds of if that be a vengeful god system then i would have become a happy atheist it is not nothing better than if that kind that is a kind of definition of god he is no better than a warlord i know those uh, the criminal movies that you have to constantly keep praising them and you have to obey their is something like that because our actions we reap what is the result of our unrighteousness and the one who has created initiated the system wherein our own actions give the blessings of joy jananam ardayati ardayati janaihi purushartham abhyudhayani nishreyasa lakshanam yachyate iti janardanah depending on the purushartha that we have put the one who gives us the benefit of that result without having you know cut corners whatever we are worth doing whatever we have done that result will be there on that table thus there why giving a uniform code of existence and that is why it is called law of karma not a theory of karma what is the difference between law and a theory theory many people can speculate on it like darwinian theory of evolution i would rather put it even further uh, lower a hypothesis of creation it is one of the ideas that was projected not that it is proven once proven then we can disprove it you know when many people when kids ask what is the take of hinduism on darwinian theory it has not yet become a theory once they prove that theory because it can be disproved in various other logics once you prove it then we can we'll think about disproving it or approving it it is still a hypothesis law of say electricity it does not require anybody's you know validating it whether you agree with it or not whether you understand it or not does it function as it has to function do you believe in electricity do you believe in the law of electricity good otherwise you would have tested it right away and make made you a immediate instant believer of law of electricity similarly is the law of karma 
as you sow so you reap it is not how it looks like to the outer world it is what it was intended by that individual as it was being sown intentions take a higher priority while we do it is it just for the appearance that it looks good or is it that it is really intended good and some people are the other kind they intend good but their way of expressing things are so messed up you you keep hearing them saying that you know but i intended it you know in a good way i don't know why it got messed up as much as the intentions are important that it also has to be expressed in a good way again there are times wherein good gets defined by various parameters uh, there is a doctor and uh, there is a patient who has gangrene what is a good for that patient what is absolute good for that patient at that moment when he is diagnosed with gangrene that's the only method right how cruel that they have to amputate ampute or amputate okay amputate how cruel how can you cut somebody's limb if not that which can be gone with a toe you'll have to lose the entire leg is it good or is it bad so it, the intent and the act both have to be in match the one who gives the result accordingly may not be at the pace that we demand at its own pace when it is required for our growth will be presented जनान अर्दयति इति जनार्दनः सर्वगस्सर्वविद्भानुः विश्वक्सेनो जनार्दनः वेदो वेदविदव्यंगो वेदांगो वेदवित्कविः वेदः वेदः दैट वेरी रूट वर्ड इज कॉल्ड विथ विथ टू नो He is verily the form of Veda. Veda yati iti Veda ha. Bhagwan says it in various scriptures as well as in Bhagavad Gita. Vedanta krut Veda videva chaham. This comes in the Bhagavad Gita. He says that I am the one who knows everything. I am the very Vedas in itself. There are two meanings that I am giving. One, that the expression of Vedas is nothing but Paramatma in expression. That entire scripture is nothing but Paramatma Himself. Vedas, as we know, the Rig Veda, Yajur Veda, Sama Veda, Atharva Veda, and the mantra brahmana aranyaka and the upanishads 
which is a part of the Veda. Then there are the Vedangas. Then there are the Upavedas. All of them put together, they are the very available expression of Paramatma. That because of which everything is known with to know. See, that is such an inquisitive, inbuilt mechanism in us. If there is something that we don't know, do we just ignore it and you know continue with what we are doing? Supposing you have gone to somebody's house, you are sitting at the table. And on the table there is something, and you have never seen that thing. You just make an observation, leave it at that. Don't you start toying around with it? Hmm, this is something new. And you keep looking at it from the, the, the very inquisitiveness to know. Though that, that particular aspect is the quality of the intellect. Quality of the intellect is to constantly evaluate everything and know. But here we are talking of Veda is that because of which even the intellect pursues knowledge and wisdom. That which is known as the very embodiment of knowledge and wisdom is called Vedaha. Vedavit. Vedavit, the one who knows these Vedas. And when it is said, the, the one who knows these Vedas, it, it does not mean that you know you just have to memorize these Vedas. What is the use of memorizing it, if it does not have a meaning to it? See, most of the resistance while growing up, that is the way we, I had gone through education, that I was told, learn the mathematic table. Every day in the morning, right since what? second grade or even earlier than that. So, early morning the first chore was to repeat the entire mathematic table and it was a half sleep, just woken up, though you clean up yourself, you still get that and in that you are swinging and you know two, one, the two, 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 the four, two, he is just rattling it out. And one reason why I found it meaningless, well, I did not find its application. As I grew up, understood its application, I only thanked my, myself for having learnt it when I did. Similarly, while learning uh, or going through the mathematics or physics or chemistry, 
I thought it was more practical to understand you know, biology because it is immediately applicable. When we are asked to dissect the roach or a frog or a rat, I say this is how the heart function, this is how the veins are, this is how the arteries are, this is what is the heart. This is. You understand, okay, this is this is a similar kind of system which runs inside, and we, we get an immediate hang of it. But then, when I had taken up as a choice biology, I understood that there was very less of logic. And more of, you know, memorizing things, and that turned me off further. I said, okay, I'll go back to mathematics, physics, chemistry, though it doesn't offer me an immediate solution and application in my day-to-day -day life. At least it seems to be logical. It seems to be sequential that you arrive at it with some logic and reasoning. But that day when it clicks, sinks in about its application. Such a joy of unburdening. Similarly, the entire length and breadth of our scriptures, there are few who memorize it, never understand it. There are few who try understanding it, but never learn it. A most beneficial equilibrium there would be that as you are learning it, learn the meaning as well. Wherein all these different scriptures, what are they indicating? They are pointing towards one direction alone. Veda with the one who understands the meaning of what is being said. And that requires a special skill called listening, Shravanam. That is why in the Vedantic scriptures, Shravana is given such an important role. It is a well-trained system to not just listen to the words, but to what is being pointed through the words. Actually, the words are also immaterial. What is important is what is being pointed at through those words. You come through these various streets to the ashram. You know, there are so many uh, tornadoes and other things happen. I keep wondering if what one day one tornado goes through the entire highway. All the green, you know, what do you call them? not the street lights, it is the signboards. If all the signboards are uprooted, do you think many of us who have been living here would be able to drive? Except for those routes that we know of very well. Because in spite of being there, we lose our way. So when those road signs are pointing, this is belt line. You are reading it, but through the pointer, 
you are not stuck with that pointer right there. When you read belt line, you don't stop there, right? Why? It is pointing you towards that belt line. Many of us, while reading scriptures, for that matter, anything substantial worth understanding, we get stuck with what the word is being said rather than what it is being pointed towards. Once in a recent camp, you know, Guruji was speaking to all these kids. And however we want to change our accent, we still carry a thick Indian accent. And Guruji has given up that. He doesn't speak with any accent. He speaks with his Indian Maharashtrian accent. So one kid came to him and he said, But Swamiji, this word is not pronounced this way. It should be pronounced this way. And this was a, a high school kid. And his message was, don't get stuck with the word or how it is being pronounced. Rather, transcend the word to understand what it is indicating at. Otherwise, we will be like Bhajagovindam Shloka. Bhajagovindam, Bhajagovindam, Govindam, Bhaja, Mudha Mate. Samprapte sannihite kale, nahi nahi rakshati, dukrum karane. The word, the grammar behind it, and these don't really matter. What really need, you need to know is that which it is being pointed at. That is where we need to reach. As long as you know how to reach. Like recently I was in, you know, where was it? Minneapolis. Yeah, sometimes I would be going with the host family to the center. From there, I would be taken to some other house for bhiksha. And while they are coming back, as they load their uh, the host address into the GPS, and they are like, Swamiji, do you know this place? So they were living around a lake. I didn't even know the name of that lake. I said, do you know the, their house which is nearby a lake? I said, yes, yes, we know that lake. Take me to that lake. I will tell you from there how to get there. I may not remember the road. I may not remember the name of the road. But I remember where I have to reach. So I remember the route, not the roads. What is important is to reach to that destination. It is good if you can remember all those nitty gritty details. But don't get stuck as that as a priority. Otherwise, you would never reach the destination. So, there are many people who start with Vedanta and they understand that Vedanta and understanding it is not that easy because it is all in Sanskrit. Therefore, start focusing on Sanskrit. And as they start learning Sanskritam, and that's why Adi Shankaracharya says, Shabda Jalam Maharanyam Chitta Brahmana Karanam. So you start reading Sanskrit and Sanskrit Ashtadhyayi and then you go into it. It's okay to learn it. There is nothing wrong with it. It gives you a better understanding and clarity. But it is just a pointer 
focus on grasping that which is being pointed at. So, Veda with is not the Vedic literature itself, but that which is being pointed at through the Vedic literature. And the one who knows it is called Veda with. Avyangaha. Avyangaha. Vyangaha means imperfections. Imperfections of what kind? That which is not complete unto itself is an imperfection. That which is not conscious is an imperfection. So, avyangaha jnanadivihi paripurnaha avikalaha uchyate vyangaha vyaktihi na vidyate itiva avyangaha vikalaha Vikalaha means that which has got, when somebody does not have a leg or a hand or handicapped, they are called Vikala, because they are not complete. You know, every parking lot has to have that handicapped uh, parking, and which is easily accessible in and out. Handicapped with what? Some limb is not functioning or not to the level wherein it should have been functioning. So, somebody who cannot see is vikala at the level of eyes, somebody who cannot hear vikala at the level of ears. Many of us have eyes and ears, but still cannot see, still cannot hear. That is a total different kind of vikala. Though we have the instruments, we do not know how to use them. That's a different kind of vikala. But the one who is paripurnaha, the one who is so complete that there are no modifications possible in which therefore called avikala. Paripurnaha avikalaha uchyate. Vyangaha, vyangaha meaning imperfections that in whom the imperfections do not exist in is called avyangaha that which is complete unto itself is called avyangaha vedangaha the one whose very limbs are the vedas vedangaha vedavit vedavit here, Vedavit can take a different meaning that the one who has the experience and the one who has the experience that is why he is worshipped as the Lord himself. Experience of what? Experience of that oneness with the Lord. Vedaha is Bhagavan. Vedavit, the one who knows that Bhagavan or who has become one with that Bhagavan. Therefore, in our scriptures, in our Hindu tradition and culture, those who have realized that Paramatma, those who have attained to that highest state of realization, pardon my language because there is only one stage. There is no highest stage and the middle stage and the lower stage. 
highest is mean that one who is realized is verily worshipped as the walking talking expression of paramatma himself in this country there is a different word they may recognize it as a cult cult has a totally different negative tone to it it is not a cult it is because that individual has dropped the individuality and become one with the entire creation entire paramatma is the very expressing portal of that paramatma therefore we worship even the human being as that paramatma veda with the one who is realized that paramatma and in and through that paramatma who has been realized is nothing but that paramatma expressing consciously vedavit if you remember there are two times this vedavit has been used the first meaning that i gave was the meaning of knowing the scriptures and understanding the meaning of where it is being pointing at through the shravana manana nidhi dhyasana the second one is the realized one the one who has realized that paramatma as veda itself and experienced it is nothing but that paramatma who is expressing therefore in hinduism we do not have a prophet somewhere you know back there in time like what the other religions say that you know our religions had started when jesus had started moses had started or uh, muhammad had started for as a prophet is the one who has realized that paramatma and every generation has one such prophet having understood that paramatma he doesn't require vedas anymore he becomes the validation of the vedas itself therefore he is called vedavit vedo vedavidavyango vedango vedavit kavihi what does kavi mean usually it is used with the term of you know a poet poet means a kavi not like today's poets there is no poetic beauty in it there is no depth to the poetry when i listen to some of these songs and you know, i have been told that you know watch and give us a feedback about uh, the advertisements that we put on the desi channel about various chinmay mission programs and when i invariably hear that i cannot but stop myself from laughing at that lyrics it is as pathetic as you know saying tu ladka main ladki main ladki tu ladka all that they are trying to say is i am boy you are girl you are girl i am boy is that even a poetry we can see it can you move forward and that one sentence is repeated five times dearth of imagination dearth of vocabulary and that that stupid presentation is called poetry the definition of poetry a definition of a poet is that the one who can see that which where even the sun cannot shine is there any place where the sun doesn't shine 
sun is all pervading and shines everywhere. But poet is the one who can penetrate that which even the sun cannot shine. Visualize it in their imagination and consciousness. And then pull it down into mere mortal words that we can understand. And make us experience that is called a Kavi. Therefore, the realized one, the definition of a guru has always been that the one who is Shrotriyam Brahmanishtancha. The one who is experienced that Paramatma, realized that Paramatma and also has the know-how of the entire scriptures. So that be able to communicate it to the next generation based on their own personal experience. Such one is called Kavi. Kavi Kranta Darshin. What does Kavi mean? It's called Kranta Darshi. Kranta Darshi, the one who has got the uh, Kranta means out of the box. The one who can think out of the box and bring that experience of Paramatma in a palatable, in an understandable format for any student that has come there, has come with that zeal, enthusiasm and shraddha, brings that knowledge to their experience, therefore called Kavi. And who is that Kavi? The one who has been earlier said as Vedavit, the one who has experienced that Paramatma himself, expressing as that Paramatma, can deliver that knowledge. So, where is that Paramatma? That, that Guru itself is that Paramatma. Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Devo Maheshwaraha, Guru Sakshat, Guru Reva, Parabrahma. Parabrahma Paramatma is that Guru himself, Kavi himself. Therefore, we prostrate unto that, that Guru who is the Kavi. Sarvaga Sarva Vidbhanur Vishvakseno Janardanaha Vedo Veda Vidavyango Vedango Veda Vitkavihi. Moving forward. Loka Dhyakshasuradhyaksho Dharma Dhyakshakrata Krataha Chaturatma Chaturvyuhaha Chaturdramstras Chaturbhujaha Lokadhyakshaha Suradhyakshaha Dharmadhyakshaha Adhyakshaha What does Adhyaksha mean? Adhyaksha means the one who is the controller the one who controls, controls what? Depending on what they control, they are called the controller of that particular aspect. Here, you see, Lokadhyakshaha, Adhyaksha, the one who controls, not just this Loka, but all the other Lokas as well. Lokadhyakshaha. Suradhyakshaha, the one who is controlling Lokapaladidi Suranam Adhyakshaha. 
the one who is the controller of all the natural forces and their different in charges, the one who controls it. Loka Adhyaksha Suradhyaksha Dharma Adhyaksha, the one who is the controller of Dharma and its observance in its application. So, he is the controller of the world. He is controller of the implementers of the law of this world and he is the controller of the law itself. See, in order to have a good governance, what does a country require? It requires a strong leadership. Technically, what does strong leadership mean? The one who can penetrate into different groups of people in his own kingdom, in his own country. It's not just about one aspect of the country that they represent. They should be able to represent the maximum number of diversities in that country. Penetrate them and have the absolute control over all groups. At least 10, 15 years ago, I had never heard this word in the US politics. But off late, in the last two or three elections, three elections, we have been hearing this word, which I have been hearing in India for past 30 years. We are talking about vote bank. Back in India, we have been hearing this vote bank of minorities, vote bank of women, vote bank of this, vote bank of that, ever since. And especially it was well pronounced in the last elections, wherein there was this swinging group of you know women votes. And they had capture, penetrate in through them and capture that vote bank. And there were certain bills with regards to the women, with regards to their uh, whatever it had to do with church and other things involved and they had to woo them in. And if you cannot penetrate these different diversities, you cannot be a good ruler. So, what is the first thing that you require? Lokadhyakshaha, understand your world, penetrate and become acceptable as the representative of all different kinds of expressions of loka. And then Suradhyakshaha, those who implement this nature and its laws, that is why the president is called the commander-in-chief of all aspects of army, navy, uh, air force, paramilitary force. Because he is the boss of all those who implement that law. Lokadhyakshaha, Suradhyakshaha, Dharmadhyakshaha. So there is the judicial system. And there are two different bodies, right? Those who take care of the police and other things of uh, you know, protection. And the law is above it. 
Now, president is the one who controls both. Isn't that true? Sort of, kind of. Similarly, is Paramatma, who is Dharmadhyakshaha. Dharmadhyakshaha, the very essence of Dharma. In an easy way to understand, there are four Purusharthas. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. Four modes of functionality. Four purposes for which we do what we do. To perform something righteously. To gain Artha, some meaningfulness. Artha also means meaningfulness. Though it has been brought down to the level of Artha meaning only wealth. Why are we seeking wealth? Because it, it seems to give us the meaningfulness of what we are trying to acquire. Therefore, wealth. Meaningfulness, Artha. Kama. There are lots of these thought agitations and I seek to uh, you know, appease that thought layer. Therefore, Kama. And then, uh, having gone through these first three, understood that they are limited, and now want to go beyond all these limitations. Therefore, moksha. Dharma dhyakshaha. All these dharmas that have been put in place, if implicitly lived, guide us step by step to reach unto that paramatma, to that equilibrium, to that balance. That is how this, this whole thing has been laid out. But we are like kids. Have you ever tested? Test it out next time. Give your kid a new gadget. As soon as they get a new gadget, I have done my experiment. Okay. You also do it to confirm it. Have you found any kid go through the manual? Whether it is a MP3, whether it is a phone, whether it is a laptop, whether whatever is the gadget, have you ever found them going through the manual? They rip it apart, directly take it, and as they have some intuitive chip inside, that they know how to maneuver themselves through that. And when insisted, you know, please read that manual. Nah, I, I, I'm okay. I'm not interested in it. We are also like that with life. As good as or as bad as the kids. When we are said, you know, go through the scriptures so that it gives you a upper hand of understanding different situations, applying yourself in different situations. We don't pay, pay heed to that. And we want to experiment everything and understand what is being given step by step so that we can reach where we have to reach sooner than later. Don't we say that, uh, what is that? Uh, reinventing the wheel. Why reinvent the wheel? That we, we call that as the most sophisticated way of function wherein there is already a system, let us just get through it. It is already been tested. 
the rishis have already tested it paramatma has given us the dharma being the dharma adhyaksha the step by step processes all that we have to do is live understand it and live accordingly to it so that we reach there faster than ever the day we understand it and all the resistances are gone that we are we were unnecessarily going through a burdensome path which is not a necessity atma is the dharma adhyaksha paramatma is suradhyaksha dhar paramatma is the lokadhyaksha as well i just realized that the system that we are having needs a I have it, I have it. लोकाध्यक्ष सुराध्यक्ष धर्माध्यक्ष डिफरेंट वेज टू लुक एट दिस वर्ड कृत कृत दैट विच इज डन दैट विच इज डन देर फोर दैट विच इज एक्सप्रेसिंग इट सेल्फ दैट विच इज मैनिफेस्ट व्यक्त अकृत akrata that which is not done that which is not expressed itself therefore it is unmanifest avyakta so paramatma is both krita as well as the akrata krita akrata the one which is both expressing as the manifest as well as the unmanifest what we see in front of us is just one part of that paramatma what we don't see what we don't experience is that paramatma which is beyond what we perceive let me make it simpler because at a samashti level to understand it becomes little vague at a vyasti it becomes easier we can divide our entire life into vyakta and avyakta and what we experience is just one fourth of our entire being how so we have waking we have dream we have deep sleep and we have that which is beyond waking dream and deep sleep right how much portion of it is really in our hands so called our hands isn't it just one fourth of it the other three aspects are not in our hand that is avyakta avyakta is not experienced by us many people talk so i mean i have these different dreams how do i control these dreams 
that which is accessible, that which can be controlled, you do not want to focus on that. That which cannot be controlled, that which cannot be focused because it is avyakta, you want to control that. What can be controlled? Is the waking world. Start mending your ways in the waking world and you start getting accessibility in the other aspects. Not having accessibility here. Similarly, at a samasti level, we want to understand that Paramatma who is Avyakta, whom we think we have a concept of. And that very Paramatma is expressing in this beautiful world, Krita, as this Vishwa. Realize that every aspect of this creation is divine. That which is Akrita can be experienced as soon as we are done with here, feel that oneness with here, we transcend all layers of matter. Krita Akritaha. Chaturatma. Chaturatma, as I just described, the one who expresses himself in four different phases. Chatur. Chatuhu means four. The one who expresses as the waker, the one who expresses as the dreamer, the one who expresses as the deep sleeper and the one who is beyond this, Chaturatma, the one who expresses as four, four aspects, Chaturatma. Chaturvyuhaha, Chaturvyuhaha, the one who has four creative strengths, powers. In the very beginning, we saw that Paramatma has, as the creator, he has got three things. What are the three things that he has? Oh, Swamiji, you have spoken many three things. Which three things are you talking about? As a creator, the three things as a cause are the intelligent cause, material cause and the instrumental cause. Paramatma himself is the intelligent cause, is the material cause and is the instrumental cause. He is the potter, he is the mud and he is the wheel on which the pot has been designed. All three of them are himself. Right? And what is the fourth power? The fourth power is his Shakti, which expresses as Icha Jnana Kriya Shakti. When all these four Shakti as one, and Shakti can be defined as Sattvic, Rajasik, Tamasik all put together one, or the Icha Jnana Kriya Shakti all three put together as one. Ichha Kriya Jnana Shakti, each one of them, Ichha at the Sattvic level, Ichha at the Tamasic level, Ichha at the Rajasic level, all these different permutations are still His Shakti. So, the four things required are the material cause, the instrumental cause and the intelligent cause. And the Shakti which is inseparable from Him expresses forth as this multitude of this beautiful creation. Chatur Vyuhaha. Vyuhaha means power. 
four kinds of powers that Bhagavan requires in order to create this beautiful creation or express as this beautiful creation. Chatur Dramsraha Chatur Dhamsraha Dhamsra Danta Artit Dhamsra is a specific category of teeth. They are called the canines. Chaturdramsraha, the one who was born or who took the shape of special canines. In which form did he take a special canine form? In the Nrsimhavatara form. You know, as the Simha, the lion, he had those special canines. Vajra Dramstra, Vajra Nakha. And he had only these instruments to annihilate Hiranyakashipu. So, the one who expresses or the one who has come in the avatar of Narsimha avatar, Chatur Dramstraha. Chatur Bhujaha. It is said that Bhagavan Vishnu has always had four arms. And when he expressed as Bhagavan Krishna, he expresses he expressed himself in that four armed form. Can you imagine Krishna with four arms? But Bhagavat very clearly states, even in Bhagavad Gita, Arjun asks Bhagavan Krishna, Tenedam Saumyam. You know, the earlier form of yours, this comes in the 11th chapter in Vishwarupa, when he shows himself in that Rudra form of the Vishwarupa, he is not able to handle it. Arjuna is not able to handle it. So, he requests Bhagavan that, you know, everybody is fearful. Bhagavan says, stop kidding. <laughs> because it is not because everybody is fearful that he is requesting. He himself was afraid. Arjuna himself was afraid. And then he confesses. Me too. In that huge list, he puts his name in the end. That I am also scared. So, can you get back to your Saumya Rupa? It is a pleasant form. What form is that? Chatur Bhuja Rupam. That you are Saumya form, the pleasant form with the four armed Krishna. Can you come back to that form? Even during Bhagavan Krishna's time, there are not that many, there were many people who were not believing that Bhagavan Krishna was the avatar of Vishnu. In fact, there was this funny character, Ekdam Namuna Thao. His name was Poundraka. And this Poundraka used to claim that he is the actual Vasudeva Krishna. He used to call himself as the Poundrak Vasudeva. And because Bhagavat had already said that he would have four hands, he would have these two wooden hands tied to his shoulder and imitate himself to be Krishna. So Balaram would be getting angry every time somebody brought this topic of Poundrak Krishna. He said, no, give me just two days, let me go take care of that fellow and come back. So, Bhagavan used to stop Balramji in saying, at least he is doing my upasana that way. 
by imitating me, he is doing my own upasana. Let him, at least that way he will get moksha. Now, all these examples are to shine light upon. You know, Bhagavan Krishna also expressed with the Chatur Bhuja Rupa, four arms. And Bhagavan Vishnu with four arms, what does he have? Shanka, Chakra, Gada, Padma. That is his mode of communication. First, he gives us a delicate touch of a lotus. Lotus is indicative of Shri. With all things positive and you know in, in, in the straight line in our life, maybe when everything is you know pleasant, maybe this fellow will think about reaching to the source, reaching to the core. Now believe, Bhagavan gives us that opportunity. But do we make use of that opportunity? When everything is going good, do you think of God? Do we? Very rare few that in, in their pleasant times, they think of Bhagavan. So, Bhagavan takes us the next mode of communication. He gives us wireless communication. That is the Shankha. Shankha is denoting sound. Apta Vakya. The, uh, the, the wise men's words, the wisdom of the well-wishers. Now, who is our greatest well-wisher? The first and foremost are our parents. Has any generation kid listened to any generation parent? Because they feel that their parents are outdated. That's what is called generation gap, right? Mom, dad, you don't understand. And that's how they start. It's a payback time. When the kid is growing up and asks a question, and you often tell them that even if I tell you, you don't understand. When the kid grows up, it takes pura vasul back. You want the kid to understand what you are saying and the kid returns back the answer. You don't understand. You, know, you are of a totally different generation. Even if I tell you, you will not be able to understand and they dismiss us. Which generation kid has learnt from the wisdom of Aptavakya? Have we? We disregard it. So, Aptavakya is also gone. Then Bhagavan says, let me use my gada and starts pounding you know, the, our life with various experiences. At least then, by mistake, you will take the name of the Lord and start thinking about Him. Because when, when problems occur in life, they do not occur in isolation. They occur with the cinematic preciseness. Do you know cinematic preciseness? You just lost your job, your sister was admitted into hospital. Uh, no, no, your parents were admitted into hospital, your sister has to get married, and the parents have loan, and the loan uh, lenders 
they have come with the pressure and the friends have all split up and they have gone, there nobody to turn up to. And you are in that tensed, turmoiled situation. That is called a cinematic procession. One after the other, top, 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 you start beating in. And there are many of us experts, still don't turn to Bhagavan. Then he puts us in the last mode. He puts us in that chakra. And what is the name of that chakra? Sudarshan chakra. How long will we be in that chakra? Karma chakra, Janma Marana chakra, whatever, Kala chakra, whatever chakra you can call it as. Until we get that Sudarshana, Darshan of that Lord, we are in this cycle. So, don't worry about the cycle that you are in. Rather, focus on getting to closer to that Lord, the cycle will vanish by itself. Therefore, he has the Chatur Bhuja Rupa. Then he continues, he says, We'll just read the shloka and see the meaning tomorrow. Bhrajishnur bhojanam bhokta Bhojanam bhokta Sahishnur jagadadijaha Sahishnur jagadadijaha Anagho vijayo jeta Anagho vijayo jeta Vishwayo nipunar vasuhu We will see the meaning tomorrow. Om Purnamadaha Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vasishyate Om Shant Shant Shantehi Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om